it's a competition clinching shot. The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the LET Golf Podcast. I'm here with Nicola Kenton, this is George Cooper and this week's guest is the week of Aramco Team Series London. So who better to have on the show than last year's winning captain, it's South Africa's Nicole Garcia. Nicole, how are you? Uh, great, thanks and you? We're pretty good, yeah. We got a week off so we're, we're just enjoying it. Looks like you're already in the UK. It looks actually quite sunny. How is it there? Yeah, it is. I think the weather's predicted to be pretty good. So practice is good today and then hopefully a little bit of uh, lift golf on the weekend. So that'll be good. Nice. Is there anything in particular they're working on at the minute? Uh, me on the range? Yeah, I've got, I've got a strange move with my hips that I actually only acquired after my hip surgery. So it's, 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 an, odd, it's an odd move. My hips work the wrong way. So I'm really trying to force it. The other way, whole times I don't injure myself doing that. So, <laughs> so that's what I'm working on is uh, just a specific hip movement. Okay, nice. And we're obviously 14 events into the 2023 season now. How would you sum it all up so far? Um, yeah, I think I've had a, a, a decent season. I think I've only missed one cut. Um, I would have liked to have a couple more top 10 finishes, but, you know, I suppose you can't be picky. <laughs> like, you know, making the cut is a good, a good achievement anyway. And um, my golf is pretty consistent I'm just just really looking for that win I'm managing to get myself into contention but not really being able to finish it off so I just need to figure out um why that's happening and where that's coming from so I think one thing I think is that my technique is not good good enough to hold under pressure so that's why I'm working really really hard on this hip hip motion yeah absolutely I know one of the highlights this year was obviously Singapore you had you had a great week there so just you know tell us about what's been what's been your highlight so far this season yeah, I mean, obviously, Singapore was great. I got to play with uh, Danielle Kang and um, Pauline Rousson. So it was a really great experience. Um, I'm going to say this season, that was definitely a highlight just to be able to learn from those girls. And I think that helped me get my, myself into contention again um, after that. And I actually went into that week thinking like, oh, well, you know, I don't know if this golf course suits me. It had, you know, really, really tiny greens. Um, you had to be really specific. It was long. Well, the long part, I think, would, would suit me. It's just, you know, coming into those greens with, with long irons is quite a difficult golf course. So I was really happy with, um, you know, the end results, um, being able to get into contention at that event. So, sorry. Luton Airport. Bit, bit traffic, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, it does seem like you're a player who is certainly knocking on the door for that victory. And obviously, we're coming off the back of last week, Finland, where a good friend of yours, Carmen Alonso, finally secured her maiden win. Just tell us about that moment. I know you greeted her on the final green with the with the water spray, but just, you know, her winning, how much does that actually give you confidence? So, okay, you know, I, I've been on tour a while now. I want to obviously get that win. I'm playing well. So just tell us firstly what it meant to see her win and then what it does for your confidence moving forward. Yeah, I think um, she's given hope to all of us that have been out here for, for quite a few years and haven't managed to secure that win. So it was really nice to see. I actually played with her the first two rounds and she she just played unbelievable, solid golf. Um, her putting was was insane, but I mean, she's also always been a really good ball striker. So it was it was really nice to see. I played, I think I played my very first LET event with Carmen in Turkey. So... Yeah, I was actually talking to my caddy about some memories I had uh, from that event, um, which coincidentally, we were running down the last few holes because we were running out of lights at that event as well. And uh, I was telling my caddy that, oh, I was like, oh, I played in my first event, you know, in, in Turkey with Carmen. 
and um, and I actually had a double tap at that event. I chipped it out of the rough and it hit my club twice and it was, I mean, now the rules have changed, but back then <laughs> it was so unlucky, you know, that's, that's two shots. So we're going through some memories and it was just nice to, to see her finally, you know, accomplish that win after such hard work. And yeah, she's just, both her and Maria I've known uh, since I've been on tour and it was just so nice to see all of their hard work pay off. Yeah, it was just an all round happy event. I think everybody was so happy for it. Yeah, it was great, really popular winner. And then final one uh, from me before Nicola starts picking your brain about your golfing career and your golfing journey today. Obviously, it's the week of Aramco Team Series London. You're a two-time winner in the Team Series event. So just tell us, you know, what is it about the event that you love so much? I think just the whole, you know, concept of the a team event just really appeals to me. I really, every, I think everybody that knows me, you know, they know that I'm not shy. You know, I don't shy away from a little chat. So um, I really like the whole concept of being in a team, being able to, converse with your players in that type of environment instead of an individual environment get excited about somebody else making a putt um you know really not that you're not happy for the other players when you're playing individual but it, it doesn't really like cross your mind to worry about what they're doing you know you're always it's a very selfish game so um it's just so nice to be in a completely different environment and i think that environment really suits me and you know all of the girls are just so nice so it doesn't matter who you get in your team you're going to have a good week and i think that environment is just really really cool for me and yeah i mean last year i i got lucky and i had um you know some really good players and some really good amateurs in my team and uh yeah it was just a really really good team effort and the the girls that i played with were on form my amateurs were on form everything was just going for us but i think also the golf course that we're playing next week centurion um, that golf course also suits my game. I know I've had a, a couple of good finishes there too. So um, I'm looking forward to next week. I'm going to go watch the men play this weekend and hopefully, all thumbs, I can, or how you guys say, cross fingers. I don't know. <laughs> all thumbs, I think, is, is a very South African thing. Um, but hopefully I can, you know, take away something from, from how the men play the course compared to how we play. So let's see. Absolutely. And as George said, we're going to delve back, back to the mm. early days of golf. So I know you were kind of a later starter with golf um, what age did you start and how did that come about yeah so I started when I was 16 I played squash that was my sport it was I was going for my South African colors and I was playing tournaments every weekend and my golf uh, my squash club was on a golf course um, which is now called the Lake Club Benoni it used to be called Benoni Lake and um, I think at that stage obviously and so in South Africa you don't get your driver's license until you're 18 so my mom was taking me back and forward to the squash club every day and she decided she was going to do something while she was waiting. So she went for a lesson um, with a, a young girl there at the club and, and she dragged me with her at a later stage and I absolutely hated it. I hated it. I was like, this is rubbish. <laughs> I don't like the sport at all. I don't see the point. Um, and we had a squash club and then a bowling green and then the driving range at the bottom. So I left the, the, the golf lesson. I left my mum to it and I went to go play bowls. I was <laughs> I'm not going to do this. My squash lesson was over. I didn't like the golf lesson and I went to go play balls. But yeah, I, I don't know what happened. I don't know if my mom had already prepaid for the lessons or how I ended up going back for another lesson, but I did. And um, I, I don't know, I must have hit one out of the sweet spot and thought, well, okay, actually, this is quite good. And, uh, and yeah, and then that's how, I, that's how I started. It was almost by default, my mom dragging me down there. And in terms of your squash, when did you start playing that? Because obviously it's a very hand-eye coordination sport in a very enclosed environment. It's quite technical and fast and quick. Yeah, I mean, I must have been... I, I actually have. I actually don't have no clue. I have no clue at what age um, um, I started at. But I mean, it must have been 
I don't know, maybe 10, 11, I think. I can't remember at all when I started it, but um, yeah, I got up to quite a quite a good competitive level. My sister played as well, and yeah, I, I absolutely love squash. I know it's not a common sport everywhere. Um, I just haven't played it for for quite a few years because unfortunately the squash, the squash hand action and the golf hand action are not uh, they're completely opposite. Where tennis and golf are are almost identical in the muscles and the and the movement that you use. So a lot of tennis players are really good at golf. Um, and for the first couple of years, I tried to do both. I tried to play golf and play squash, but my squash coach would moan that I was doing the wrong wrist action, and then I would go to golf, and my golf coach would moan that I was flicking the wrist too much. So I had to give up one, and I thought, you know, for the longevity of it, I could play golf until um, hopefully in rough old age. So uh, where squash is very limited, a lot of injuries and that kind of thing, and, and that's kind of why I went with, with the golf. And in terms of those early memories of golf, once you started to like it, once you got over the initial start, um, what was it about golf that you did like? Well, uh, 100% the the fact that there were no other girls playing and I just wanted to beat the boys. So that was my, um, I think that was my initial motivation to, to keep playing. So, um, and I think that actually might, might help well, might have helped um, in the long run with my speed <laughs> through the ball because I'm not the tallest person, but I can, um, you know, I can generate quite a bit of speed, which obviously helps, especially in women's golf. I mean, men's golf, they just take it so far anyway. But if you can gain, you know, just a few yards in the women's golf, it really does help. And I think the fact that I was just trying to beat the boys uh, when I started and I was just trying to hit it as hard as I could, I think that helped me in the long run. <laughs> And how was the golf scene? As you said, so you were playing with boys the whole time. When was the first time you did a competition, for example? Um, so I actually did a competition quite soon after. I must have been maybe 17, 17 or 18. But I, I don't think I broke 100 until I was maybe that age. So I played, um, I actually played my very first amateur tournament I played was Ashley Buhai's very last one as an amateur. And we're not that far. I think we're only a year apart or two years apart. So... She was already turning pro at 18 and I was hacking around in the bush. I think I shot 99. <laughs> I didn't, I still remember, I didn't quite understand golf at all. I hit it in the bush. It was at a golf club called George Country Club um, in George on the coast. And um, I hit a ball into the bush, but I, I was so new to it that I didn't really understand lofts and you know how the club works and that kind of thing. And I was trying to hit the ball out of bush that was maybe like waist high uh, with a four iron. So <laughs> needless to say, I was not a natural born golfer, that's for sure, I had no clue how it all worked. Um, so yeah, that was probably my first, my first real um, tournament. My very first, I think I came last and Ashley's very last and she won. So <laughs> very different worlds for us. Yeah, for sure. But what was it like kind of getting to play tournaments and obviously um, developing yourself as a golfer in South Africa at that time. Yeah, I think it took me it took me quite a while. Um, like I said, to start, you know, thinking golf. I didn't. Um, I was very immature, if that makes sense. Like my my the way that I thought on the golf course was very very immature. I just wanted to hit it as hard as, hard as I could. I had no field shots. Um, so I just for the first few years of playing tournaments, I loved playing tournaments. I played all the tournaments. So after I played the first one. I loved the competition. Um, I enjoyed, you know, the the girls that were playing with me at the time. So um, I played, you know, almost everything. But it took until I was about maybe 22 to start winning on the on the amateur scene, and and really 
you know, starting to understand. I'm not going to say that I did understand how to, how to, you know, how how to play golf. I could hit the ball, no problem. I could strike the ball. I could hit the ball. But in terms of getting it in the hole, I was maybe still still very very young. And I I, I turned pro at 23. I studied at home, and then I went to um, Q school in Morocco in 2014. And yeah, I ended up getting my card. Had no clue what it meant. I had to phone. Leanne Pace, who I actually really didn't know at that point anyway, but she was probably the only one that, you know, I thought maybe could give me advice and I had to phone her and ask her what did it mean? You know, should I take the status? Should I not take the status? And, um, so, yeah, so it was it was a very quick transition for me from not playing good golf to playing a lot of tournaments, winning, I think, three or four tournaments in one year when I was 22 and then turning pro at 23. Um so and then and then that was a massive learning curve for me from then on, um, just learning you know how to play. And I, I'm obviously still learning every day. You know how to, I think everybody is, um, but I'd say it has. It's taken me a good eight nine years to um, to really be comfortable with my game and I think understand you know um, how to get the ball in the hole. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> for sure and so when you were kind of in those early days of golf did you have anyone that you were looking up to did you watch golf on tv or like see anyone around no so unfortunately um you know back then the only one the only girls I really knew about were Ashley and that was because I had seen her at that event and people spoke about her Leanne um who at that point I think had just won a whole bunch of events but I never met her. I mean, it was a whole different world away. And then obviously Stacy, she was on tour already. So those were the only girls I had really heard about. We didn't get women's golf. It's, it's taken a good, you know, 10, 15 years after, after I'd started golf for us to even see a little bit of women's golf on TV in South Africa. So it's a lot better now. We get the LPGA on a weekly basis. We get the LET. Um, and obviously social media has just exploded with women's golf so now at home you know the girls know who the players are who I didn't even know who number one in the world was I think when I turned pro no clue I had no clue who these girls were um and and I think you know possibly that's possibly why it took me so long to to understand golf is because I never saw it and it's different watching men's golf you know compared to women's golf because we just we physically cannot do what they do so you kind of had to just you know, learn on your own and, and figure it out. Yeah. And you mentioned there, obviously, Leanne Pace and Ash Buhai. And it always strikes me that the South African community is a very tight-knit one within golf. Have they ever given you any advice that stuck with you? Or, you know, how, how influential were they in the early years? Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, I think I was actually talking about it last night. Um, we were talking about some, you know, how to play with feel, you know, instead of, you know, just trying to hit everything flat out. And I said, oh, yeah, actually, my my husband and, and Ashley and, and her husband, I think at one point, maybe about seven years ago, they had like a little intervention with me. We we had a bri at, at my parents' place. And um, they just kind of said to me, like, you don't know how to play feel, feel, with feel. And obviously, Ash is probably the most feel player in the world. So so for her, she like she obviously just couldn't understand. Um, the whole concept of just trying to hit something flat out and you've only got one shot and you've only got so um, so yeah she's definitely been a big influence in my golf um, growing up we went to the same well not growing up but in you know late in my pro career and um, we went to the same coach for a very 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 long time and uh, yeah 
it's just really nice to see her her style of golf. I mean, her style of golf, my style of golf, and, and Leanne's style of golf. If you look at all the South Africans, we're all a little bit different, so it's really good. Yeah, they have really helped, I think, help my career along along the way. Yeah, nice. And then tell us about watching Ash win at the AIG last year. I mean, what what was that like for you? Yeah, that's um, that was incredible. I, I was actually traveling at the time, and I was trying to you know refresh refresh the the website constantly. And I just got to the room. We were, I think, we flew to Ireland, and I just got to the room and turned on the TV, and I saw her winning pass, and it was, yeah, it was a little bit surreal. Um, had a, had a few tears for her, and um, you know, sent her a few messages straight away. So it was it was really really good. And then, and then to see her back it up with the next few wins, um, I think within maybe what six months a year was really was really great so um, I think she's given a lot of hope and a lot of inspiration to a lot of young girls at home um, not only the young girls but us as well so it's and, and she's an unbelievable girl like really really nice um, just all round great person and it's, it probably couldn't have happened to a better person but it's unbelievable that it's South African because I don't think um, we've had a South African win a major since Sally Little so yeah, it's been unbelievable. Yeah, definitely. She's flying. I mean, she could still keep on winning them. I reckon the way oh, she's yeah. playing. Yeah, so holding thumbs this week at the US Open, and she hits a dead straight, so it should suit her. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Holding thumbs. I like that yeah. one. It was a new. I didn't. I'd never heard that the South African saying it. Yeah, I didn't realize it was a South Just African cross thing. Cross fingers, but actually, holding thumbs is until good. Until recently. Yeah. Yeah, my caddy, my caddy's from Scotland, and I said something, and I said, "Oh, hold thumbs," and he was like, "Well, what are you talking about?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, hold thumbs, like." like you know it's just hope you know good luck like whatever <laughs> he was like no that's not a thing <laughs> and i'm like it is a thing i promise you and if you google it it actually says at the top a south african term okay. and i was like oh. i remember that one and sticking on the south african theme then because i'm just curious to know out of all of you guys who does cook the best braai? out of out of the girls yeah just or just yeah the south african players I mean, normally we'd probably get a South African caddy to do it, like the, the guys, because it's just, like yeah, traditionally the guys will fry the meat. Um, I don't know. We're, prob we're probably all pretty much on par. Okay. I'd think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a very good breakfast person, so I don't normally cook the meat. But um, although surprisingly, uh, Nicole Brock Evstrop did one for us in, uh, it's not South African, it's Danish. And she actually cooked our meat in Sweden a few weeks ago and that was pretty good. So I'll give her some yeah. points for that. Very impressive. <laughs> nice. I know Cass claims to make a really good one. Oh, actually, you know what? You know what? Probably, now that I think about it, I, I forgot about Cass. Yeah, she's probably. Yeah, I had to drop her in because I think she would have something to say if she wasn't mentioned in this conversation yeah. right now. I would definitely, I would definitely get lambasted if yeah. I didn't remember Cass. <laughs> yeah, for sure. She's definitely cups there <laughs> good stuff and then moving on then you you did touch on it earlier um but obviously you went to university um and you studied sports science i believe before you obviously then decided okay i'm going to go to q school just talk to us about that whole decision making process really first going to university and then say actually you know what i'm going to give this pro golf you know a go yeah so i um i wasn't good enough at that stage when, when i left school i mean i finished school uh in 2008 so I would have just turned 18 in the December and I'd only just started playing. I was no good. Like I was never going to get um, a scholarship to, to play overseas. And so that wasn't really in my mind. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't really expect to get a scholarship playing golf. I was, I was rubbish. And um, so my goal was to, to go study. And I, I'd always wanted to study animation, but in South Africa, there weren't a lot of, at that point, there weren't a lot of options to do that. And, um, 
so I took a little bit of time off and I played a little bit of golf and then I thought okay well let me you know let me see what I can do that's that I'm that I can study that will help with with the golf whether I work in the golfing field later so actually turning pro was not it was there but it wasn't really like a realistic goal at that point so so yeah so I studied at the University of Pretoria um did my three years I did my PGA at the same time and um yeah and then when I started winning events uh when I was when I was 22 and I, I actually just entered Q school thinking, okay, well, let me see how far behind I am. Like, let me see if it is a, an achievable goal or let me go there and have it. Because at that point, like I said, we didn't, it's not like we saw women's golf on TV or I didn't really have a lot of overseas experience. So I entered Q school and I went um, under the um, impression that I was just going to go learn something and, and see what I'd have to bring back from it and, and if turning pro would be an option in the future. And I ended up getting a card. So... <laughs> that was it was very unexpected maybe because it was so unexpected and um and that's how it happened but yeah so it was a very odd um transition into from squash squash into golf into competitive golf into professional golf it was yeah maybe it's just just kind of followed my personality maybe like a very let's just easy come easy go whatever happens happens kind of thing maybe that's why I'm that way so so yeah it was never a a set thing in my mind, like I'm gonna go to Q school, I'm gonna turn pro, and I'm gonna, it was it wasn't like that. It was just just happened, and now I'm still here. <laughs> and then yeah. when you kind of got to tour, got to the LET after having that phone call with Leanne, telling you exactly what was going on, what was that like in your first year? Uh, terrifying. I had no clue what I was doing. I didn't know how to play off of the different grasses on tour. The golf courses were completely different. They were longer. You know, it's like going to a new school. You don't know anybody there. So it was it was good that I met Stacy in my first couple of years and she kind of, you know, befriended me and tagged me along. And, um, yeah, so I lost my card. I don't think I made one cut. I think I, out of – at that stage, I didn't get into a lot of events anyway. So maybe out of 11 events, maybe nine of them, I missed the cut by one shot. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a great year. And um, mentally um, – it was eye-opening. So I went back to Q school at the end of 2015. Might get, I might have the years wrong now. It might be 2013 or 2014. But anyway, went to went to, to back to Q school at, at the end of that year. And um, I think I won the first stage and I came fifth at the second stage. Uh, and then I've managed, you know, to keep my card ever since. So it was a, a massive learning curve for me that first year. Let's say, what was it, apart from the fact that obviously you didn't have the overseas experience, as you say, with the different grasses and stuff, was it also the fact that suddenly you're in Europe and you're traveling and you're doing all this other stuff on top of still learning the game of golf? Yeah, for sure. I was I was by myself. Um, I had never traveled to that extent. If I did travel, you know, it was, it was with my parents when we were younger. So the whole booking flights, um, hotels, where to stay, cars, uh, very, very overwhelming. And... You know, if you don't know which companies to use, who to go to, I, you know, I probably wasted a lot of money um, and learned the hard way of, of what, how not to do things, which was also very scary because in my first year and my second year, all of a sudden I had to, you know, pay for myself. Um, my parents obviously helped me get to that point, but there was a point where they were like, okay, look, we can't help you anymore. You need to do this on your own. And then you're fighting for... Um, you know every penny and the more the more cuts you miss the more you're just watching your your bank account just deplete and the more stress it adds and i think a lot of young golfers uh go through that and you're basically living day to day uh, tournament to tournament and
and um, yeah, it's, it was, it, like I said, it was very eye-opening and I'm, I'm pretty sure there are a lot of girls that are going through that, you know, right now. I'd, I'd like to think though that, you know, there's a lot of girls that would be comfortable coming to the older girls on tour um, to ask for advice, which I think, which I think the girls have been, have been pretty good about that. So, so yeah, crazy experience. Yeah, for sure. And then fast forward a little bit, you've already mentioned it, but you did have surgery um, in and had the whole season off in 2019. So talk me through, obviously, what happened with the injury. You mentioned earlier hip injury and what you had to do after that. Yeah, so I had the right hip, my labrum had torn. So basically, I think, you know, 80% of the population has this problem. It's just the normal average person who's maybe not as active in the rotational move that we are in, uh, you'll probably end up having hip surgery 50s, 60s, 70s. Whereas for the golfers, because there's actually a lot of golfers, if um, if you go and have a look through who's had surgery on what, there's a lot of golfers that have had the same surgery that I have had. And uh, so your bone doesn't quite fit into the socket very well. Uh, or you have like a little, what they call, I think it's a cam or a spur, that sticks out and as you're practicing and, and moving and exercising it tears through the labrum so my labrum had torn off and I had a lot of back pain and I actually felt it <laughs> I actually felt it go in my actually first year on tour and I remember the tournament because I felt it pop um, at a tournament in Germany we had a tournament right in the beginning we've, we've now recently got that tournament back but there used to be one in Germany um, and I have had the pain ever since then, and I just thought I was weak, so I was making it worse by doing, trying to do a lot of exercise, um, you know, a lot of hip things, because I could feel there was something wrong in the hip, but I was having a lot of pain in the back. And um, So, yeah, I played my first four years on tour with that, um, with that injury, so that couldn't, probably didn't help my performance either. Um, and, but I thought I was strong, and I thought I was young, and I didn't think anything could be wrong. So if anybody's watching this and you have a little bit of pain, Go and check it out because it could it could save your career in the in the long term. Um, so yeah, and I had the whole of 2019 off. I didn't hit a ball for 11 months. Tried to come back in the beginning of 2020, um, and COVID for me was actually a saving grace um, in the end because I I was not ready to come back. My injury was not 100, percent and um, it gave me another full year to recover. And I think. Um, I think that's what saved my career, is having the two seasons off instead of the one. But it, it did it did save. I think it did save my career, being forced to recover. I was going to say, you were able to use the time that you suddenly had, whereas other yeah. people, it was opposite where they wanted to play, whereas you was like, I don't want to play yet. I, yeah. <laughs> I need this yeah. time. So what, what kind of rehabbing and recovery did you do during that process to like slowly get back on the golf course and start being able to hit balls again? Uh, yeah, I had a lot of, uh, quite a few months of doing rehab with a bio, um, a lot of uh, physio, slow movements, a lot of uh, getting back into walking and then slowly getting back into lifting weights in the gym. And then a lot of Pilates. So my surgeon said to me that if I wanted to, um, you know, keep playing golf and not have back surgery in the future, I needed to do Pilates. So Pilates has really saved me. I do that at least once or twice a week with a trainer. Um, and it is, it's unbelievable for golf, Pilates. So that's, I'd probably say that's what got me ready to be able to swing um, and uh, and not injure myself again. And then when you did come back to tour, 
properly in 2021 how how did you find that kind of obviously you're coming back from an injury you you're testing yourself out to see if you are fixed <laughs> if you don't have pain. Um, yeah what, what's that like there was a lot of trial and error of you know how many weeks in a row can I play without you know tiring or, or getting sore or injuring myself again um, and I learned very quickly that it was my max is three to four weeks and then my body doesn't quite take what you know doesn't do well after that so I did a lot of um, a lot of physio with Philippa on tour just to try to keep my body in in good condition and I just took it slowly so yeah like I said a lot of trial and error to see what works what doesn't work and I just had to relearn how to keep my body going for the whole year but then also since then you've been having more top tens than you've ever had you've been you know getting better and better and better how has how has that been and how have you seen your golf develop since you've come back from the injury I think the consistency is what I've seen um, the biggest difference in and I, I'm not going to say that I have been injury free. I have I have had injuries, but you know, in in other places, and I've had to learn along the way. But yeah, definitely the consistency, you know, and and just the freedom of being able to use, you know, the lower half of my body throughout the whole event without having to, you know, limp down the fairways. So that that's just the biggest difference to me is just being able to to use my body to its full potential for a much longer period so for the full four days or the full three days of playing um I can I feel pretty strong so you you managed to obviously seeing you on tour have physio and stuff you've managed it a couple of times this year where there's been instances where you've been struggling but you've made it through you've made the cut and you've gone through to the weekend despite having trouble yeah yeah definitely I think yeah yeah uh, yeah I wish I could say that it's you know after the surgery I've been 100% but but there's been other things and yeah I've just like you said I've just managed to push through and and get the job done right let's go back to then the Aramco team series Nicole because that's obviously what we're here for this week in London at Centurion and we had Cass Alexander on the podcast who seems to thrive I think in the Aramco team series events and I'd say you're a player who thrives in it as well Um, obviously you've had two victories in the team event let's go back to London first 2022 I know you touched on it before Great team spirit, pretty dramatic win in the end in the playoffs. So just talk us through that week and your emotions that week. Yeah, I, I was really uh, happy with the the team. The girls just got along so well. It was, you know, Kelly Whaley and Madeline. So, and then obviously we had Mia, which was a really nice fourth edition. Uh, great golfer. She helped us so much uh, during that week. And I think just the vibe, having the four girls together and um, really getting along, a lot of laughs. Uh, cheering each other on. So it was just a really nice overall week where we just had a lot of fun on the golf course. We had a, we had some good caddies with us, so we were all having a laugh. Um, and I think that's so important for the amateurs as well to give them a really good experience for the week because, you know, a lot of the amateurs, um, you know, some of them spend a lot of money to be there or, you know, they've, uh, you know, won the opportunity to be there and you really want them to have a good time. At the end of the day, the Aramco Team Series is about it's about the teams, but it's also about including the amateur in professional golf. And um, it's a really, really great concept. And I'm really glad that Mia actually made the pass on the last hole to get us all into the playoff. So it was, I think it was a really good experience for her. And, and I'm hoping that she'll keep that with her for, for a very long time. And yeah, I was just really, really proud to be part of that team and had a really good pick, Kelly Whaley. She's uh, a, a great golfer. I think she's back this week uh, coming. So it's going to be nice to see her. And, and Madeline's a, a really strong player. So 
So yeah, the girls. I think they've they've all been in in a couple teams, including Cass. Actually, she was in my team for my second win. I think she's had three wins. Um, Madeline's also been been up in the team. So I think if you can get a team where all the girls, you know, thrive off of the team environment, then then you're going to do well. Yeah, definitely. We've got to go on that. Then we spoke to Cass about you picking her in the playoff in Jeddah. I want to hear your side of the story. Then why why did you go with Cass and talk us through the decision making process? <laughs> So, Cass hits it a very long way. So, um, if you if you haven't seen that hole, there's a massive bunk on the right, uh, water on the left, and I know I, I I played well individually that week, but I played well with a little bit of like a low hook off the tee box. So, it, it wasn't a great hole for me to play. And even though, so I just come off my last round, I made eagle, but the chances of that happening again, especially with the low hook off the tee box. Um, it was not very good. And I mean, Cass, she doesn't have to try hit it hard to get it over that bunk on the right. And then it's like a little flick 7-9. It was a no-brainer for her to take, you know, she she can miss it out right. She's got so much space where if I had to take her on that shot, I'm going to have to try hit the best drive of my life down the right or, or try thread it, you know, between the bunker and the rough on the left. And then I'm going to have a hybrid in or uh, five iron in so it was yeah it was just a no-brainer it was great setup for her the whole suited her um and she's got a lot of confidence so um she had it you know if i picked her i knew she would she would go for it and, and give her all yeah but in london it was obviously a different story you you went with yourself um and beat ursula so just tell us about about that hole yeah so that hole again off the tee box i had hit it left uh, there's a little bunker in the middle of that hole. And if you're in there, and unfortunately, Ursula went into that bunker, and it's a, it's a really difficult bunker to get out of and then still make it to the green. So um, I think if I remember, she teed off first, and I had a feeling it went into that bunker, and I just knew if I just missed the bunker, it doesn't matter on which side, we should be fine. So it was an unfortunate one for Ursula because it kind of, as soon as it went in that bunker, my team kind of knew that all I needed was the five uh, to win. Um, but yeah, I suppose, you know, that's the nature of, of golf, but I was quite nervous because Ursula is a really strong, consistent player. So if she missed that bunker, it was going to be a lot, a lot harder playoff. But yeah, like I said, it's sometimes you just need a little bit of luck in golf and, and sometimes you just don't get that luck. So, uh, luck went our way that yeah. day. And then you pulled out the iconic celebration, Nicole, on the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's become, <laughs> I don't know how many times we've now used that, um, looking back, but that was, uh, yeah. That was great. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know why. I actually turned around to look because obviously you want to say thank you to to the your player first. So I turned around to look for my team, and then I was going to turn around and say thank you to Ursula, but she had already gone back to her team. So then I was like, okay, well now I'm going to start celebrating. So I did. <laughs> and, and you um, went for it. And yeah, a little dance is probably my way of of celebrating. So um, yeah, and that's kind of stuck with me since then. <laughs> gets replayed often <laughs> it does yeah i'm sure we'll be using it this week uh with us returning to centurion uh once again but yeah just just looking ahead to this week again i know you, you touched on it earlier on the episode but you know how, how are you feeling going into this week how excited are you to be teeing up centurion again the team aspect just just everything around the week really how, how are you feeling in terms of golf i'm feeling quite confident i'm starting to play a lot better um Starting to get that move, I, I worked a little bit with my coach, um, Grant Fienstra, a couple of weeks ago, just before Finland, and it, it's really made a difference. So looking forward to this week. If I can if I can hit it like I did in the last round in Finland, then I think it'll be a good week. 
I uh, just got to get that putter going. Um, but I like the greens. I like the greens at Centurion, and it's a great golf course. So, so yeah, overall, good feel. I love the team team events, so it's always a nice feeling going to an event that you're excited about. It's quite unique, Centurion, is it? I always feel it's like two completely different nines. You've got like the inland course, oh, yeah. the tree, tree line, and it's almost yeah, the... more open, isn't it, with sort of farmland? Yeah, especially the first the first three or four holes. It's completely like, completely different golf course to the rest of it. Uh, it's not an easy golf course, though, because as soon as you get out into that open and the wind's blowing, it's it's not easy. And it's been really hot and sunny here, so I presume it's going to be quite firm. So, yeah, the guys the guys played there yesterday uh, for the live event, and they were saying, you know, that it's a it's a tough golf course. So it's a really good, really good test. And now going to off the golf course things. You, you're a woman of many things, Nicole, but we'll start with your cats and your animals. Your, your love, your love of your pets. Everybody that spends, <laughs> everyone that spends time with me, as soon as you said that, I've gone, oh, don't get her started on the cats. <laughs> yeah, I love my, I love, I love my cat. I've, I've got one cat at the moment, but my mom's got a few <laughs> that I, uh, um, that I adore and, and she's got she's got two dogs and we only live 500 meters from each other so so I, I visit the I visit all the animals daily but yeah I've got one cat that I I say he just moved in my husband says I stole him but I didn't physically steal the cat like I didn't he just he just moved in and um yeah <laughs> I never gave him back so he, he was he was legally given to me don't let people think that I've stolen animals before. But yeah, he was legally given to me. He just decided, I don't know, that that he um, that our house was where he wanted to stay. And I, I was obviously home at that point 24-7 because of the injury. And um, and this cat just decided he loved me and he didn't, he didn't want to go back. So yeah, so now I've got this cat. And uh, he has a full-time babysitter when we're away. So yeah, he's really loved. <laughs> His name is Bobby and I, I, I don't stop going on about him. So my, my caddy... <laughs> my caddy has heard more about the cat than anything else, I think. Well, I, I knew that, uh, well, Bobby just wanted to heal you. That That's what wanted to do when, when you were injured. Yeah, cats very much choose their own house. <laughs> it's up to them where they decide to stay. <laughs> but another thing you like to do uh, that we share together is reading. <laughs> You're someone who takes a lot of books on tour, but... As I've learned recently, you've decided you can't take 20 books with you every tournament. And we've gone to Kindle. We've gone electronic form now because <laughs> it's too much space that the books yeah, take. Yeah, I know. The, the, weight, the weight limit was becoming a problem. I think the last event, what do we have? I had like seven books. And then I think you still gave me another one. That's, that's a lot of weight in the luggage. So I bought myself a Kindle when, I, when we were in Belgium. And um, yeah, much better. So, I mean... I am the type of person I like to have the book. Like I'm, you know, one of those that like keeps them as, you know, I don't know, little keep, you know, I don't know, prizes after you've read the book. I don't know what to say. <laughs> but yeah, now I've got the Kindle and, uh, and I don't have to pay so much in overweight because I'm carrying around a whole library with me. So, but yeah, we're definitely, myself and Nicola are in a little book club. L.E.T. book club, constantly swapping books. And um, yeah, as Nicole said, in Belgium or Florida the week before. I don't know. I had seven books. You had seven books. We swapped a couple of books. There was a lot of weight limit. Of- yeah, it was a bit crazy. <laughs> Trying to fit into suitcases, which did not work. <laughs> but when you're not on the golf course, 
what do you like to do, whether that's at home or if you're away traveling? I know you really love traveling and the fact you get to do that as part of your job. But what's some, what are some of your favorite things that you do when you're not on the golf course? Um, I think the, fir- the first thing that I do is go go see my friends. So obviously we're away for so long on tour and um, yeah, it's, it's really difficult to keep relationships, you know, going. So the first thing I do is I try and see, see my friends, spend a little bit of time with my family. I used to do a little bit of woodworking, but now that I'm playing golf, it's just too difficult, too many injuries. So, so yeah, there's not there's not too much time in between events to to really get into something else. So it's spending time, I think, with friends and family is number one. And how important is it that you have the Sunshine Ladies Tour and the fact that the LET obviously goes to South Africa, which means that you're able to invite players on tour to your home like you did last year and they stay with your mom and, you know, you're able to allow them to embrace your culture. Yeah, that's been that's been really good. It's going to be um, the Sunshine Ladies Tour's 11th season next year. Um, and that's been a really good boost for, for South African golf. And you're starting to see a lot of the young girls come through, which I think we had a little bit of a gap um, in talent coming through because there was not a lot of opportunity in South Africa in terms of professional golf. So uh, it's really nice. We have another series called the Standard Bank Series that's going on at the moment. So a lot of a lot of good things happening in South Africa with women's golf. And I'm, I'm really proud to be part of it and to have been there from the beginning. And then uh, I know you've told this story before on our social channels, but uh, one of your iconic looks on the golf course is the hat that you are wearing. And um, just talk us through the story of why you decided to start wearing a hat because it is very important. Yeah, so it was, you know, a, a health decision rather than a, a very stylish decision. Um, you know, it was not a fashion decision. It was, I had um, uh, like quite a big red, very, very painful lump on uh, pair on my ear. And I'd had it come up a couple of times in the past, but um, never thought anything of it. But this time it just never went away. So I went to go, obviously I went to a doctor and they said to me that it is early signs of potential cancer cells. And if I keep going in the sun, it will turn into cancer and I will lose part of my ear, which was obviously quite a big shock because I wore, you know, factor 50 every day, which now I'm on to factor 100, even with the hat um, and reapplying. And I've got the sleeves on every day. It doesn't matter if it's rain or sunshine. Um, so yeah, so that was a really scary thing for me to hear. If I keep going in the sun, and I was like, well, well, this is my job, you know. Obviously, the peak cap only prevents so much. I think your your um, protection is literally just under the eyes here, um, and I've got a lot of skin damage from the top of my nose, around my eyes, and onto my ears. Um, and yeah, it was just a very very scary eye opener and my husband sold these hats in his pro shop the golf club um and it was during 2020 so i started i helped him coach a little bit while i wasn't on tour and uh, i was wearing these on the range and i just thought you know what this is my look now because it just it saved me so much i could feel the difference in my skin um the protection that it, it gave me and um and yeah so then i came out i think end of 2020 with it for the first time Men made a new fashion statement, but yeah, but yeah, that's the real reason why I wear the big hats. It looks great, I always think. And did it take a while to get used to it wearing it, or not really? Uh, um, I think because I I stood coaching in it for for a couple of months um, before I started hitting, so I already 
you don't actually notice it anymore. Like I can't feel it. I can't really see it. So, um, so yeah, it was pretty easy, easy transition. And I see there are a couple of other girls that are wearing them now, which I'm really proud about. Nice. Yeah. Start the trends. Yeah. Lovely yeah. stuff. <laughs> right. Before we go then, Nicole, we are going to hit you with some of our rapid fire questions that me and Nicola have put together. So some good ones in here. So we'd, we'd like to get your thoughts. So we'll start off then. Actually, we'll, we'll start off with the reading theme because we know you love your reading. You've got your Kindle. So what is your favorite book and what book are you reading right now? Um, wow. Okay. Favorite book is probably going to have to be the Harry Potter series. Still forever will be my <laughs> favorite books. Um, and what am I reading now? I'm on two books. I'm on an audio book, which is, um, the witching hour by Anne Rice and, oh, the serpent's wing. I don't know who it's by. That's the other one that I'm reading on my Kindle, but I don't know who, who the author is. It's called the serpent's wing. Nice. I think. And which, which Harry Potter book's your favorite? Probably the Order of Phoenix. Okay. Okay, then favorite food? It can be to cook or to eat. Hmm. I'm going to say probably anything, um, like probably breads, pastas, and that's because I can't have it because I'm gluten-free. Oh. And it's horrifying. <laughs> but yeah, in general, it probably would be like a pasta, a pasta or a pizza, something like that, with gluten in it. <laughs> those are the best. Nice. Now, this one's probably a tough one because we know you are a popular pair on tour. And you have quite a big circle, but who is your best friend or friends on tour? Um, so I'm probably gonna. I've got like, oof, I've got a lot of, I've got a lot of friends. But the girls that have been the closest to me the last few years is definitely Stacey Bregman and Maha Hidui. Hidui, I'm gonna say you said my name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we always see see you guys together. It's always a nice nice vibe. And we know then you love traveling. Where's your favorite place to go? Uh, probably just at home in into the bush safari easy one safari over the beach then yeah definitely nice that's all for me then nicola have you got any have you got any quick fire questions for our guest well you just said it yourself so what is your favorite animated movie nicole i mean you, you can never go wrong with the lion king guys you can never go wrong it's just giving away my age a little bit but yeah <laughs> It's true, though. You can. <laughs> yeah. Classic. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And um, if you weren't uh, doing golf or in golf right now, what, what would you be doing? I would be working for Disney as an animator. <laughs> we got to see some of these drawings now, Nicole. I didn't know you were, oh, no. you were, you were big on your I haven't animation. drawn in years. It'll be like a stick figure. Now. <laughs> those, those things you've got to practice. It's not so easy. <laughs> Good stuff. Well, I think that's all, all we've got time for then. And we know you're obviously at the range right now. So we, we will leave you to, to carry on your practice for, for a big week ahead of the Aramco Team Series London. Nicole, thank you for joining us. It's been a, it's been a really fun hour. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Perfect. No, guys. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the LET Golf Podcast. Give us a follow on socials at LET Golf and head over to our YouTube for next week's event, where it is the Aramco Team Series London at Centurion. Best of luck, Nicole, and we'll see you next week, guys. It's a competition clinching shot. Whoa! How about that? The LET Golf Podcast, the official podcast of the Ladies European Tour.